Welcome to Meet the Actor at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please give it up for this evening's moderator, MTV's Josh Horowitz. Hey guys, um, welcome to uh, what's going to be a fun night. Have any of you seen this movie yet? I know it's out here in New York, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, a special movie, and uh, we've got two special guests to talk about it uh, here tonight. Uh, you're probably pretty familiar with both of them. They're awesome actors, and they are amazing in this uh, a truly special film in, in a summer of blockbusters. We need more movies like Swiss Army Man. This is a special one. Uh, so I'm going to show the trailer, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk to uh, these pretty cool guys. You ready for that? Should we do it? Okay. Here's the trailer for Swiss Army Man. Check it out. Be lucky enough to bump into the one person you want to spend the rest of your life with. Oh my god. So this is the life I've forgotten. This is just the beginning. As you guys can tell, this is a wholly unique creation. Uh, I've seen this film twice. This is, a one, this is one that sticks with you. You'll not soon forget Swiss Army Man. It is full of uh, comedy and sadness and love and, yes, a whole lot of farts. It's awesome. As are my two guests here tonight, let's give it up for the stars of Swiss Army Man, Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, thank you very much. Welcome, guys. So um, the good thing about a movie like this is there's plenty to talk about. There's a lot to kind of sort through. I've seen this film. I saw this film when it, uh, it debuted at Sundance, and uh, it made an impact then, and it made an impact when I saw it again recently. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of originality in, in selecting a project, because that's the thing that jumps out to me about this one is there's nothing else like it out there. No, I mean, and that's, I feel like that's a thing you hear said about films a lot, but is really not often very true. Um, and there really is nothing else like this film. And I think there's the response from audiences so far and the response from people that have seen it is a testament to 
how like what a powerful thing originality is i mean it's what got us kind of excited to be a part of it you know when you see something that you're genuinely like this there is nothing else like this you just want to grab it with both hands yeah the first time i saw the the work by these guys called the daniels you know i literally thought whatever juice they're drinking i want some you know and and so when i got this script by them i was so excited because the it's not it's not just sort of the the crazy ideas that are in their film. It's like the actual spirit, you, you know, and, and you can see it in their videos and short films and, and it's in this film. So I think it's super exciting. Uh, g give us a little sense of sort of like the mechanics of, of how something like this happens because I'm, I'm curious in how a script like this reads and if like when it comes across your desk or when you get the file or whatever, if there's a disclaimer attached to it, um, like what did you know about it when you first got the material? Well, I, I was already a fan of the Daniels, and I knew they were in the Sundance Lab, and I was really curious, actually, when like these guys who make this interesting stuff are going to make a, a film. And um, you know, so when I got sort of a script in the email, I was excited and sort of prepared, you know, to a certain degree. Um, but I, I guess nobody's seen the film. Yeah, I mean, it just came out, so some folks here have, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, uh, that th 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 there's. Uh, <laughs> There's something that happens on like page three of the script, um, and, and you can see it in the trailer. It's quite an ecstatic moment um, of of fart propulsion, and you know, right then, you know, three pages in, I, I sort of knew I was gonna do do the film um, because I thought it was not only funny but so, so absurd that it was kind of beautiful too. Like it took on a glorious majesty the image on the page even and you know felt felt like i have to help that you know come into existence and how is something like that written i mean i don't expect you to literally paraphrase exactly what it what it said but i'm just curious like what is what is the kind of direction on the page that makes it sound a little bit more beautiful and majestic than maybe I really can't remember. Yeah, You're okay. really asking us to cast our minds back then okay. uh, <laughs> i don't know but that's the thing like there's there's not like uh, everything that was that is in the movie was in the script very clearly, and like the tone and the comedy and and the the, the incredible heart that it has and all of that, like that was all there. Um, the only thing that I wasn't like assured of that would definitely be there was this sort of, as Paul said, that sort of maj majestic, epic quality that the film has. That when you read it, you go, okay, yeah, I guess it could have that, but I'm not sure. And then, yeah, when I heard the music for the first time, which most of the music was written prior to the film, so we had all that on set with us. And when I heard that for the first time, I was like, okay, I get it. I get how this is going to be just insane and epic and, and beautiful. And that scene that Paul's describing was one of the one of the happiest times I think I've ever spent on a set. Like just, yeah, again, I don't want to ruin like the moment of propulsion and, and, and Paul uh, riding across the waves w was, it was so close uh, to what, what ended up being on screen was like, there was almost no difference between that and what I actually saw the day of filming. Like so much stuff was practical and we had the music and it was just like, I was just like, just tears of joy, just being like, this is amazing, I get to do this for a living. Um, <laughs> How much of, of that is you in that sequence? A lot of it, yeah, yeah. like almost, you know, there's, there's, there's just the wide shot where I think you, where, you know, where they bail at the end and pretty much the rest of it was me. Like when you see uh, 
you know, my face and Paul's face, and that's that's me. Yeah, <laughs> that's me grimacing against salt water, just like ah. Um, but yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, each of your or prep for for the film? I mean, both of these characters are, are again unique is the word that comes to mind. But talk to me about what are the first steps when you want to tackle a character like like Hank. Um, let's see. You know. Um, Boy, I think, you know, one thing that was really fun was uh, sort of finding common ground with the Daniels and, like, sources of inspiration for them, like, right? So how did they, you know, with these ideas, you know, the, the singular to them, but what are they connected to in their lives? You know, how can I step into this? And it's the first time from directors I've ever gotten, uh, they sent me a video of, of a kid on YouTube who thought he was going to be able to smash a wood piece of wood with his head. And, and then he, he f didn't, he failed. <laughs> and it was really funny and really sad. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I get it, you know. <laughs> um, they also sent me a video of a uh, missile failing, being shot out of the water. So it pops out of the water, this rocket, and then it just kind of bloops back into the ocean. And again, I thought, okay, I, I get it a little more even now. Um. <laughs> given your character, I'm almost afraid to ask what videos they sent to you. They sent mine. Were actually, mine were like weirdly much less abstract than yours. <laughs> um, mine they sent through. Um, they sent through uh, some of. Oh, uh, I can't remember the actor's name now from Men in Black. D'Onofrio. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, they sent through some clips of him. They sent through the, uh, you know, the Andy Samberg film Hot Rod. Do you remember the Do you remember the falling sequence in it where he just like rolls down a cliff for about three minutes? <laughs> they sent that, and then they. What else was there? There was. Um, there, oh yeah, the biggest, the one that was because like towards the end of the movie, Manny starts moving, but obviously like he starts moving as somebody who like doesn't know how to move, um, and so uh, for that sequence, one of our reference points was the uh, Quaalude sequence from Wolf of Wall Street. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's a very wide range of uh, of stuff that they sent. Does playing a, a mostly dead guy is that is that like a is that freeing as an actor? I mean, you're obviously, it's not a documentary. You're not playing, you, you can go right. any way you want in a way. Yeah. Um, but you are physically limited. You are vocal. You can't, you can't be as expressive as the Daniel Radcliffe sitting before us today. No. Did you find that that kind of limit, those limitations almost helped guide you in terms of the performance? Yeah, definitely. And also like the Daniels had such a clear idea of what they wanted Manny to be at every stage of the film. So, um, you know, when he Obviously, he's completely inanimate to begin with, and then he starts talking and starts moving a little bit. He can move his eyes, and then he can move his mouth a bit better, and it's sort of a slow process. So it was really a matter of kind of just throwing out ideas until they liked some. <laughs> um, and and like I was, I would send them videos of me sort of practicing different sort of voices or different um, ways of moving around, and and just keeping in contact with them about like, does this work? What's that like? And 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 they would, uh, and because they knew so much what they wanted. It, that was very freeing for me as an actor because it meant that I could just start throwing stuff out there uh, safe in the knowledge that were I to go too far or in a direction that didn't work, they would be there to be like, hey, you're, you're talking a little too well. Can you like tone it down a bit or um, stuff like that? So, yeah, um, it was... Uh, and I'm trying to think of like... That, that was basically my preparation for the film was like making weird videos and sending them to the Daniels. 
I mean, so much of this film rests, of course. I mean, this is the cliche to talk about, like many films, but the relationship between the the two actors. I mean, this relationship in the film has to. Um, it, I mean, in a way, it's it's a it's a buddy film. In a way, it's a romance. In a way, it's a it's a lot of things. Um, you guys, as far as I know, weren't you know maybe acquaintances, but didn't know each other before this. Talk to me about sort of like in your head what you had to do, what you had to accomplish before you even got on set, or was most of the work done once you got on set in terms of establishing whatever the rapport would be? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew each other a little bit, and then you know we got in touch, you know, probably a couple months before filming or something, and to to, to hang out just to like sort of get to know each other a bit. And so I went to Daniel's apartment, and we were hanging out for a bit, and then at one point he was like, so do you want to put your hands in my mouth? You know, should we just, should we just start getting used to this? To be fair, Dan said that to me too many times. Say, well. it's, uh, it's not an offer I make to everyone. <laughs> I just want to... So, you know, you sort of knew he was ready to go and, you know, sort of uh, uh, c commit, um, which is what we needed. Um, and, uh, but no, you know, it's funny that, that it's part of our job and some of that comes through like hanging out. Some of it comes through the writing though. You enter a scene and, you know, hopefully the, the writing and the characters support your chemistry and, and, and also having two directors and two lead actors, you know, really, um, like a close collaboration, you know, uh, whether it was hanging out or rehearsing or talking about stuff or actually shooting it. So I think even though there there are some sort of uh, extreme things in the film, some very intimate things in the film, you know, I think it I think it was it was all good when we did it. It was fun. Uh, talking to me about, about that like physical like contact, the physical intimacy. I mean, a lot of the film you're literally like carrying him or dragging him around. Do you are, do you have any do's and don'ts that the best way to carry Daniel Radcliffe is? If any of us encounter that, he's pretty that? indestructible. <laughs> I think, and that's the best thing. That's the best thing about carrying Dan around. Don't have to worry too much. <laughs> Use him as a human shield, just sort of like in the way. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, the, like Paul was amazing. Like I would often be like, "Do you?" Because it was that thing of I wanted to be in there, but I also felt bad that like I, I would rather be in the shot and him carrying me. But at the same time, you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm probably really, you know, I'm not a heavy person, but I am still a human being with bones and organs and stuff inside me that is has weight." Um, so it's it, you know. But he was, yeah, he was amazing, and and I I don't I really don't remember you carrying the dummy at all. You you you, it was it was me the whole time. You ever want to carry him around for old time's sake just to recapture the magic? We should have done that at the premiere. No, but my girlfriend's really jealous when she watches the film. She's like, you, you, you don't carry me around that much. I'll try to deflate that awkward moment by showing a clip from the film. This is one of those films that, that, that honestly, as much as, as fun as it is to talk about, you have to kind of see it and experience it. So let's, let's look at a couple clips from Swiss Army Man, this first one. Um, we'll talk about it afterwards. Take a look. You want to go home so you can have love. Yeah. But you ran away because nobody loves you. <laughs> That's not true. You're broken and empty and dirty and smelly and useless and old. You're like trash, right? Shut up! What? I'm sorry, Hank. I'm just saying the things in my head. Well, you can't just say everything that comes into your head. That's bad talking. Oh. I'm sorry. <sighs> I feel like we should talk about the farts. We have to talk about the farts at some point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's yeah. the elephant in the room. I, yeah, we don't mind it. We've been talking about farts all day, dude. What? <laughs> 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 what, yeah, you've, you've just completed a, a press day. What's the oddest question you've gotten today or in the course of the 
the press tour. Like what, what my personal relationship to farts is? I suppose because it's very hard to be like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, what, what else have we got today? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe like a badge of honor is that like, uh, you can't, like they can't ask anything more weird than, than we already had to do. <laughs> so. Well, I was going to say, like, I feel like the, 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 the farting conversation almost obscures the fact that there are a lot of bodily functions throughout the film. There are erections galore. There is water projectile. There's poop. There's a lot of stuff going on yeah. here. Yeah, there's a lot. Do, do you feel like that the, the farting issue has obscured the real... Secret, uh, I think it speaks to what a spectacular opening sequence it is that that is what draws like the most attention um, but yeah I mean I think it, it was always obviously going to be discussed a lot um, but in a way I think it, it is it's kind of cool because it you know it people are talking about this movie like it's just anarchic and crazy and weird but actually like it's got such a beautiful core and it's so heartfelt that I think that's really gonna like sneak up on people and surprise them which is which is lovely we lure them in with uh, with farts and then we attack them with heart <laughs> yeah also, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a hydraulic uh, penis at some point that was used? Yeah, um, it was, and it, it was hilariously, the the rig that operated the penis was like, as 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 there were these huge levers that were like looked like they would change signals on a train track. Like they that it was this guy like off to the side like <laughs> operating stuff like that, which was hysterical, obviously. Um, is it true that only one of the two of you, uh, one of the two of your farts actually made it into the film in terms of audio? Uh, well, apparently, I mean, I've just heard, I've just heard this doing like press for the film. We were all on set encouraged to donate our <laughs> farts to the film, but <laughs> apparently me and one other person were the only people to actually do it. <laughs> it's a giant scam it's just like, to make yeah, Paul. <laughs> Everybody was supposed to. Yeah, yeah but it, it was. You missed that day of work. What happened? You just no, I just, I, I, I just didn't. I, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't do that. Um, not through any. I don't think my. I don't have enough confidence in my farts to be comically hilarious. Um, so I don't. I, I, I don't think that I, I was going to donate them. Yeah, but the way I have to also say the way Paul did it was awesome because we were doing the scene and it was just before we went for a take. And Paul just suddenly paused and just like reached up for the boom and sort of grabbed it and brought it down. I was like, what's he doing? Oh, right. Okay. He's going to right. Good. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I feel like I don't know because the Daniels kind of announced on set that like anyone can go to our sound mixer and just like fart and he'll record it. But I don't know if they like have ever discussed that with him or like were they were just like sending tens of people over to fart by this poor sound mixer. Um, but yeah, no, it's Paul, Paul and and Matt, our editor, are the two people we know that that got them in. Um, <laughs> let's take a look at one more clip, and we're going to go to some of your questions in a bit too, which I'm sure will be better than my silly ones. Here's a here's a clip from Swiss Army Man. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the bus. This is how people like us get places if we're too poor to drive ourselves. Oh yeah, there are other people. Yeah. Hello, hello everybody. Buses are for people who don't know each other. They read books, they listen to music. And we all sing songs together, right? No, 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 no. the other people will stare at you if you sing, so you listen to your own music. Oh. 
If it hadn't been for Cotton Nigel, I'd be married a long time ago. As you listen, you stare out the window, and I watch the world go by. So this is it. This is the life I've forgotten. Oh, when I get back home, I'm gonna ride the bus every day. Manny, this is just the beginning. So what you're saying was, was like all the music uh, in the film pre-recorded and played on set live then? A lot of it was. Like they, they wrote bits of it, but they were also really, like they wrote it so they had the shape of all of the songs. And then they also like, you know, the Daniels would say to, like they, I remember they said to me once, there was a very cool thing. They just said like, just pick a note and make up like a triumphant song at the end of this thing. But it's like Manny, so he doesn't really have the facility to make lyrics, but he's just like, so I just started going da 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 And then like a, an amazing band wrote a song around my stupid sound that I was making. And it's in the movie and it's incredible. Like it was, so they, they were, there was room for them to, to keep creating stuff, but the, the big songs were, were already written. Does this kind of spoil you going forward? Because I know this is, this is a, a project that is genuinely special to both of you in terms of the, the what it turned into, what it started as, and just the collaborative effort that you're describing. Is this sort of a high watermark of like the way you enjoy films yeah. are made? Like for me, yeah, yeah. De definitely, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was a small group of us in the woods, you know, 12, 14 hours a day being silly, you know, laughing, crying, hustling, uh, in pain, but also, you know, like a totally joyful experience. Uh, and it is really special. And then, you know, you get to share it with people and, you know, it's so nice uh, when you do share it and to see how many people have actually like gotten this sort of strange and beautiful film, you know? Um, so it's, it's exciting. It's almost a little bittersweet sometimes when you're at the last step, which is this, where it's kind of like a child that's grown up and they're being sent out into the world. and. Yeah, no, but I mean, and I can say genuinely, and I think a lot of people share this sentiment as we're starting to see reviews and people react that um, I think it's a film that's going to stand the test of time. It's going to film a film that, because of its uh, uniqueness and because of its the emotion, the power of it, it's a uh, it's a film that we're not going to soon forget. And that's that's the goal of filmmaking, right? The stuff absolutely. that doesn't it's not ephemeral. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah, and I think um, yeah, as Paul said, this is the scary part, but it's also. Like and it's it, there, it is bittersweet, but there's also there is that sweetness to it because now like you guys all get to go and see it, and we get to share it with all of you, which is is very is very exciting. That's why you make movies. Go ahead and let us know you have a question. We have a question right here in the second row. Was there like one scene in particular where you know you just had to shoot it a million times because you guys just kept making each other laugh and probably uh, the we, most uncomfortable or something? I remember the one. There was one. There was one moment that like I think the take that is in the film is literally the only take they had that they could use where I didn't start laughing Paul was was holding it together much better than me but but my our, our director of photography was also filming me at that point and was on eye level with where me and Josh are and so like he was losing it as well and like I could see the camera like shaking and him trying not to and the moment was there's it's in the bus scene it's actually very shortly after the clip you just watched 
where Paul is like teaching my character about what it is to become like excited and 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 he says like and 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 you know sweat starts pouring down your face and the way he does that is by spitting onto his hands and just dabbing it <laughs> on my face and um and what's funny is in the movie, you really don't see that it's actual real spit. Like, you, we could have totally faked that, <laughs> but we didn't. Also, were they, were they screwing with you? Like, we, we did that more, we did more takes of that than, like, anything. Like, they were like, no, we can't see it on camera. So I kept trying to get bigger loogies <laughs> to spit onto my hands and wipe onto Daniel's forehead. But it was like, like every sweat. time it just like oh, that I just start going. That like, was pretty gnarly. <laughs> like I would just start laughing. So yeah, it wasn't I wasn't grossed out at all. I was just like in hysterics. But yeah, that stands out. Uh, first question is just just for Daniel. I'm, I mean, it looks like your eyes are pretty bugged out there for the majority of it. Is that actually you doing that? Do yeah. you have a glass eye in? It is. It's just, like, it's just a weird thing I can do with my eye. <laughs> that, wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, and I and I was like I I was like practicing in the mirror and just being like, is that I was like, is that a good? And I said to the Daniels, I was like, is this good? Could you can you and Jason Hamer, our makeup designer, was like, that's awesome. People people <laughs> think I've done it. That's great. Um, but yeah, so I just got lucky. With and uh, that. sort of piggybacking on that, I mean, there's a ton of, as we've seen, you know, physicality and, and intimacy between the both of you guys in this film that seems unlike anything I've seen either of you guys done. What from this experience will you take on with you to your to your future work, even if it's just on a on a technical level, that stuff that you learn. Thanks. You know, th there's nothing like doing something where you truly have to, like, risk embarrassment, honestly. You know, like, like we have to do that every time we go to act, you know. But to really just, like, have to put all of yourself out there, you know, emotionally, like, psychically, spiritually, physically, you know, it's always, you're, you're always going to get something from it. So I feel like this, this film gave a lot back to me. I would say one of the biggest things was just, like, the child sort of like wonder and joy and play that's in the film is a really nice thing as an adult to like go back to, like go in the woods and like mess around with your friends. You know? Hey, how's it going? Uh, hey, this is a question my niece wants to ask. She's just a little too nervous. Hey, what's her name? Skylar. Hey, Skylar. Um, she wants to know if it's harder for you uh, to play a dead character or an alive one. And what's your preference? <laughs> it might, if my preference was dead, I'd have a really hard time from now on. Uh, it's like I've really peaked with this film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, playing this dead character was incredibly fun because he's that he's so weird, and there's so much other stuff that goes on with him. Um, and uh, but yeah, it has its own challenges because you, as Josh mentioned earlier, you have to act within a certain sort of limited range of of movement and and voice and stuff. But working that stuff out is really fun. And um, but on the whole, I think I'll be playing a lot more living characters in the future. So, is there uh, something else you want to do, like outside of your comfort zone, that people wouldn't see you like normally do? Um, we were talking about this earlier, like the like type of genre that like I would love to be in a massive disaster movie, like because that's the kind of Josh knows that's the kind of stuff I watch, uh, like a, a you know I can't swear but like a big action movie, you know, like a big action movie, um, like that kind of thing. How many times did he drop Daniel while carrying him, on purpose and also by accident? Oh, <laughs> uh, luckily. Uh, I mean, Daniel is such a good sport and, like, just so willing to, to, to do anything and everything, which was such a blessing on this film. Um, I think I got to drop him quite a few times, which, you know, I, I, I relished every opportunity I, I, uh, I got to do that. Um, 
What do you think? Also, you, 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 you know, you li- he likes a he likes a good fall though. I mean, you you were throwing you were trying to fall when it all wasn't over the asked place. of me yeah, in the yeah, script. Yeah. yeah, I was like, can I fall here, please? Um, well, just because there's a lot of times, you know, if if you're playing a character who can't really support himself, you wanna you're gonna fall a lot. Um, and but no, Paul was he was he was a very good carrier. I, I really felt very secure at all times. Uh, hi, my question is for Paul. Uh, you are one of my favorite actors, and I really love War and Peace. Thank you. <laughs> and Thanks. my question is, uh, as an actor, how do you switch yourself from one character to another? Because all the characters are like, so big different. Well, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like a strange thing to do, um, to, to, to act. Uh, and I think one of the things I like about it is... Uh, that I feel like I don't know how to do it. You know, as, as much as you sort of have things that you do every time and there are techniques, you know, it truly is every time sort of, I, I think I like the kinds of parts where you're like a little bit scared because you, you, you know you can do it, but you don't know how yet. Um, and I think figuring out how is like a big part of the fun. So almost a lot of the fun happens before I actually get to go act where you sort of like, you know, research and futz around and you know just trying to figure out the way a person thinks and behaves and feels and um uh and and it's and it's really fun you know and it's a good way to express myself it's more scary to me to like just like be here and be myself (laughs) than it is like you know to to put myself through a character i like i like that this question's for Daniel. So I read that you did like a lot of your own stunts. You were like very confident. You just wanted to throw yourself right in there. Was there a particular stunt that you did that was, you know, really gave you the adrenaline rush that, like what was the probably the favorite stunt you did and maybe the most scariest stunt you did as well? I mean, it probably, um the most exhilarating, and it's, it is a stunt, and it's it's a stunt, and it's not a stunt. But it's the when the the sequence on the water at the beginning when Paul's riding me like a jet ski um, was. That was amazing and was so much fun because it was just like you just it was me on a on a boogie board, Paul on top of me, and just like I had to try and make myself like the prow of a ship and just like you know arch backwards up and then just hold myself in that position and just like smile like an idiot, like I'm so happy. And then the boat, yeah, and then the boat pulls you along alongside the thing, and um, so that was that was awesome, um, just because like when else do you get a chance to do that? Um, and. Just generally, I think, I feel like I, oh yeah, there's, I really liked the one at the, again, kind of a stunt, not really a stunt, but the, the, at the end of the movie where Manny moves properly and he's, and the sequence that was sort of inspired by the Quaalude sequence was, uh, that was really fun because we only had like 15 minutes to get it and it was just like, just make this look as insane as possible and as like spasmodic and drunk and weird and, and, and yeah, and I was, I was really, I was really happy with the end result actually and I don't say that about my own work very often. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Um, I was wondering if you two could talk a little bit about the difference for you as actors in playing someone completely fictional, like how you were saying this is not a documentary, versus if you're playing someone real, which I know you both have. And for instance, Paul, I know that you played Nick Flynn in Being Flynn, and he's a real live poet who lives in New York City. So, Yeah, great. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. I find it, I found it really fun. You know, one thing about when you're playing somebody who's real is like, there's a, a wealth of usually material that you can immediately go to, you know, which is really fun. So, um, 
playing somebody fictional like it's a it's like a little bit more like you're like looking around like hoping you're going to find your character somewhere out there and you're like okay i know you know he exists somewhere um uh but i don't know at the end of the day i mean i feel like even when you're playing somebody fictional the the, the truest way to capture somebody's like spirit or soul is you know not by like mimicking or copying but you know somehow like you know, finding what their essence is. And, and I don't know how you do that. You just kind of, you know, stumble around until until you think you found it. So I would describe both as just a lot of stumbling around until you until you hit something. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. You totally. Yeah. Hi, I'm just wondering what kind of music you each are listening to right now and the last concerts you guys went to. Um, I'm obsessed with an album called I Love You Honey Bear by a guy called Father John Misty. It's like, uh, you like that album too, clearly. Um, it's just like rocking my entire world right now. It's so beautiful and, and different. And the last concert I went to was a depressingly long time ago, so I'm going to skip that part of the question. Um, I've just been away filming, and so I was kind of mostly listening to stuff for that, and one band I was very happy to to re-listen to that I haven't in a long time was, was Rage Against the Machine. I've just gone on like a month-long uh, rage renaissance. I was wondering what kind of draws you to a role when you're seeing it either on the screen, is it someone that you're working with? What kind of draws you to that character or that part? Um, you mean in terms of like why you say yes to a script in the first place? I mean, I think there's it's a combination of things. It can be any number of a combination of things from like as Paul said earlier, like who you're getting to work with uh, to the part you're getting to play or like you know is, how original is the script and, and um, it, or is it even if it's not you know different from everything in the world is it different from something you've done before like I, I think Paul made a really good point where like that it's it's assumed that like, we talk about roles being challenging and actually challenging uh, can sound like we're saying it in like a negative way, like, oh, it was a challenge, but no, that actually is inherent in that is the fun of our jobs. Um, so yeah, I think you're always looking for something that can just keep you sp sparking and, and, and firing on all cylinders and sort of stimulating you. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi, Daniel. Hi, hello. <laughs> um, my question is for both of you. Right before you guys step onto the set or right before you're supposed to do a role, where do you grab your inner strengths, like right before you bring it out and give an amazing performance like you just did? Oh, lovely question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess from like your friends around you and, and the people you love and, and, you know, that like that's my thing. It, like in between jobs, my only thing is I just want to spend as much time with the people that I love as physically, humanly possible. And that is what that's what I that's what gives me joy. And, and that's how I am. Ready. Although I have to say, like it's always really fun to do a job as well. It's not like I have to go, okay, I've got to psych myself up for this because this is going to be horrible. Like, I'm always really excited to, to work on something. But yeah, that's, yeah, I hope, that, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, we all have to give ourselves that. But, I, I, you know, we're really lucky. I think sometimes just like the, 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 the work or the character, you know, gives you that because you're also, it's a funny thing to say, but you're there on their behalf as well. So sometimes, you know, you actually have, you do it for them in, in, a, in a strange way, like standing up for a friend or something. Nice. Well, thank you all so much for your great questions today. Yeah, thank you Thanks very much, to guys. Paul Cheers. And Dan. Go check out Swiss Army Men. Spread the good word. This is a small film. It needs your love. And uh, thanks for coming out today, guys. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Nice. Cheers.